Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray. And this week, we got a very special guest. My colleague, Lynn Varma, had a chance to sit down with Amelie Moresmo, the tournament director of Roland Girls. And we're going to take a listen to that. But before we get there, we're talking about the French Open. Let's take a look at the draw. Let's take a look at what's happening and what do we think is going to unfold here over the next two weeks. We've got Warinka coming back off an of injury, showing just how difficult it is to come play a Grand Slam, not having a lot of matches under your belt. Same with Babora Krejcikova. Coming in, not a lot of matches. Got taken down by a young Frenchman. Naomi Osaka with probably the toughest draw of them all had to play Amanda Nisimova, a player who has beaten her before in the first round showed how not having a lot of matches, maybe not having confidence, not being confident on the court, and playing Amanda, who's one of the best young ball strikers on tour, uh, proved for an ugly combination. And if you recall, we asked several players in previous podcasts about who's the one player who's unseated that when the draw comes out, you hope you don't play in the first round. And it was Kaya Kanepi. And Garbini Muguruza got a little bit of taste of that. Katie Volunets, want to congratulate her on getting the American wild card to the French Open and actually getting the win, proving that she was worthy and did deserve it. And on the men's side, our last French Open, where we get to get to see Sanga. He had a tough draw. We had to play Casper Ruud in the first round. Not the kind of player you want to play in your very first, first round in your last French Open, but we want to wish him well. We want to say farewell to a giant, one of the most humble people on tour. Congratulations on a great career. And then we've got some interesting quarters happening. We got Novak and Rafa set to meet in the top quarterfinal. And I'm picking Novak. I think the court is too big. I think the clay is too physical for Rafa to come out and not be 100% and make it through a tough opponent like Novak. You got Zverev and Alcaraz in that second quarter. And based on what I saw in Madrid, I'm picking Alcaraz. Then in the third quarter, you got Rule and Hercotch. And I'm going to pick Hercotch in this one. For a big guy, he's been playing some great court, great clay court tennis. And I'm picking Hercotch and Tissipas in that quarter. And in the last quarter, you got Rublev in center and Medvedev. I'm going to pick center to be Rublev to make it into the last quarter. And I'm going to pick Medvedev to take out center. The French Open is one of the most unpredictable tournaments. You see a lot of first-time Grand Slam champions get their first Grand Slam at this one. The physicality of it, the endurance, the patience, the temperament allows a good young player who can get hot and who's physically fit and ready to play a chance to win this one. So now we get a chance to sit down with Amelie, who is first female tournament director in Roland Garros. Definitely fitting of this. Uh, and hear how she got into tennis. Who was her inspiration? We talk a lot about Yannick Noah and his inspiration to her 
and many others in the game, especially in Paris. Let's take a listen and enjoy what she talks about. So I'm Emily Moresmo. I'm the new tournament director here at Roland Garros. Uh, before we talk about tournament director, I just want to talk a little bit about your background in tennis yes. a little bit. Um, how did tennis enter your life and what attracted you to the sport? I first uh, watched some, some tennis on TV. Um, I'm not sure if I remember or if you're seeing the pictures of me uh, going, going in the garden after watching Yannick Noah winning the French Open in 83. Uh, and I, I really loved it. I was going in the garden making the moves without any, even having a, a racket yet, a tennis racket yet. So I, I, I'm not sure. I think it's something that in the emotions that he was feeling, in the game that he was playing, the adrenaline that was, that was flow, flowing. And I think that's what uh, really got me. And um, so then my parents, seeing that I was crazy about the sport, bought me a racket and put me in the, in the tennis school. I was too young, so I had to like kind of pass some tested tests to be able to practice with the with the group there and everyone so yeah it was uh, it's a pretty different story i guess to a lot of people and uh, and that's how tennis entered my life uh, did tennis always bring uh, passion and happiness into your life was it always oh well it, tennis brought a lot of different emotions in my life uh, some great uh, incredible uh, adrenaline emotions happiness but also some sadness some tough moments disappointment so it's it's being a professional athlete playing tennis being alone on the court as well is uh, it puts you really in different uh, places all the time emotionally and um, and I found it quite interesting in a way because I, I was throughout my whole uh, playing career, discovering a lot of different parts of myself. And I was able to kind of look at myself in the mirror after a match, after a loss, after a good win or, or anything, and, and, and really learning about myself. So it's a journey. It's, um, it's, it was more of an inside journey and, and obviously sharing with, uh, with the crowd, with the people in my team, with the people I loved was also something that I was really looking forward. Uh, doing it alone would have never felt the same or have the same taste for me. Um, you, you've had a lot of firsts in uh, French tennis in your yeah. career. Uh, one, one of the ones that stood out to me was you were the first male or female player to be number one yeah. uh, in the open era. Um, what, what does that mean? Uh, for me, being the, the first and the only uh, today uh, French player, man or woman, to, re to reach the number one ranking was, I was so proud of this. I'm still very proud of, of this achievement. It's, um, it means the consistency. Uh, winning a Grand Slam is, uh, is, is unbelievable, obviously, but, but to reach the number one ranking is, is, again, it means that day in, day out, after, week after week, month after month, and for years, you are committed to what you're doing. You're looking for the little details that is going to make the difference at the end of the day. And, and, and you kind of put it together on top of each other and you build something. And it takes a long time. I mean, for me, it took quite a long time to reach the number one ranking. And, um, and yeah, the, the dedication and the commitment that you have to, to have on a daily basis is, is, uh, is so important. And, uh, yeah, being the... the the only French to reach that is, uh, I'm proud of this, yes. 
What kind of feelings do you, do you get when you think about your career? When I look back on my career, it's uh, I'm just happy with what I did. I think I reached all my goals. Uh, maybe even I went uh, further sometimes than what I expected. And uh, as as a, as a as a little girl that was dreaming about being a professional tennis player, so um, I'm just proud. I'm happy. I have uh, is I feel good that I have no regrets. I mean, even though here at the Roland Garros it was always kind of difficult for me, I felt that I tried like I tried everything that I could, different things to kind of mentally have, find a, something that would that would really make me feel better. Sometimes when I was getting tight here. So yeah, I feel that I um, I fulfilled my dreams, and uh, as a person, uh, I really, at th when I was 30 years old, I put my rackets out, thinking, that's it, I'm done, I'm gonna do something else now. What was your relationship with Roland Garros as a player growing up? What, what was it like for you? Well, as as a player playing here, it was always a lot of ups and downs. It was first of all, I. Um, my story with the tournament, as I told you, I started playing tennis. This this tournament determined probably all my life or most of my life. Um, and I'm here today at 42 years old, old uh, running the tournament, which is kind of, of crazy in a way. But um, so I think throughout my, my playing, my career as a player, it was always mixed emotions there, kind of pressure. Um, happiness, tension, being proud, and and um, and I never quite really managed to to understand really well these emotions. And um, but it, as a young player, when I won the juniors here, it was really my first big strong emotion as a tennis player. So that was quite interesting. And then I got conscious of what it would mean to win here in front of the home crowd. And this, after when I was 22, 23 years of age, this got more difficult for me to handle. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. In uh, 2009, you uh, decided to step away from the game. Um, what was the thought process behind that decision? How did you know it was time? When I decided to stop, um, I, I, I felt at the time that my body wasn't um, ready to take it anymore. I was the kind of player that needed a lot of matches under my belt to be able to perform at my best. So a lot of confidence. I, need to, I needed to build some confidence. I wasn't this kind of player that could be off for a few months and then boom, come back and, and, and feel already very strong. So to do that, in order to do that, I had to have a body that could, you know, week after week be ready, be fit, be, you know, prepared and no injuries. And, and, and I couldn't really find this uh, balance anymore. So uh, I, I thought, okay, I'm not going to be able to win another Grand Slam if I feel this way. And so I kind of thought to myself, yeah, I don't want to practice anymore. I don't want to put all the energy that I put in on a daily basis to not achieve my goals. So 
that was it for me. And I felt quite relieved actually when I, when I announced it, when I took the decision and when I announced it. How, how did your relationship with tennis change after you retired from tennis? Did you like want to just get away from the game? Did you want to stay involved? I, I, I um, right at the moment when I retired, I just want to, you know, be a few, few months out of tennis, just enjoy a little bit of life differently and find my balance as well because, you know, you, 30 years of age, you change completely your, your life. So I needed some time to do that. And then quite rapidly after that, I'd say three, four months. Uh, it was in December 09 that I stopped and three, four months I said, yeah, you know what, I want to go to the French Open uh, to see how it goes, to kind of live it in a very relaxed way and see how the other side of the, of the, of the story in a way. So yeah, I kind of entered tennis a little bit slowly after that by a little bit of commentating, not, not much during the year, like maybe one or two Grand Slams. And then, um, then I got approached by the French Federation to be the Fed Cup captain at the time, it was Fed Cup. And I, uh, two, two years after that, so I, uh, yeah, I was happy to start again and to kind of share my experience with the younger players, with the French players to, um, to try and help them. So that was a great experience, actually. I, I stayed uh, captain for four years and uh, it, was, it was really good. Uh, soon after that, you ended up working with uh, Andy Murray, yeah. um, which was unique. You know, um, we didn't we don't see that as common, mm, yeah. unfortunately, these days. Um, how did that kind of come about? Well, Andy approached me. Um, he had stopped with Ivan Landel a few months before. He had also a back injury, and uh, he approached me just before the French Open in 2014, um, and having some uh, very specific. Uh, things that he wanted to work on, that he he thought that I would fit in the team, why, in his game, what he was looking for to improve and, and all those kind of things. And so we had a long talk actually before he, he started the tournament here and uh, we decided to have kind of a um, uh, trial period for the, during the, the grass court season which I said, yeah, let's, let's do it and, uh, and after that we said, yeah, it's could work well, so we, we ended up working together for two years. And uh, yeah, it was very uncommon, and uh, yeah, all the comments that went with it were not very very nice to hear, but I, I, I learned a lot in this period. I never coached anyone like full-time, and after a few months that we were working together, I, I um, you know, I, I ended up working with him 30, 32 weeks per year, and uh, with a good relationship, and really, I think it worked out pretty well, yeah. How, how did this all happen here at Roland Garros, you becoming tournament director? <laughs> it's, um, I, um, the president of the federation uh, approached me at the end of last year. Very, very, uh, it went pretty fast, I have to say, because uh, it got announced on December 9th, I think, and, and it was only a few days before that uh, that he approached me, that he wanted to change a little bit the, the head of the tournament. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so we had some talks about what he was seeing. I had some talks as well with the CEO of the Federation, Amelie, another Amelie. And, um, and uh, yeah, because, you know, for me it's pretty new. I didn't really know what it meant to be a tournament director of such a big, such a big event. And I also didn't want to be just the former player, former number one player that you put there and that talks to the press and, and, uh, and really doesn't have any 
um, decision power and, and cannot make any decisions. So that was also my goal, was to really have an impact on the tournament. And it was all well received and the, the talks were really quick and, and, and very open and, and they were looking for kind of someone <laughs> maybe unpredictable and, and uh, with, with a strong personality that would, you know, fight for her ideas and everything. And that's, uh, that's what's been uh, going on since. We're not agreeing on everything, but uh, we're having some good talks and I think it, it makes these things uh, go move forward. I know you have a strong opinion when people uh, give you credit as the first uh, female yeah. tournament director of Roland Garros. Tell us your opinion on that. I, uh, being the first female as a tournament director here is, is, I'm proud of that. I'm happy about that. I just, I just don't want, I don't want that to be the only comment or the only reason that, that people are making and, and why I, I'm here. Um, that's it. That's basically how I see the the, the things. So uh, finally, in France, have um, not care about the gender in, in a way, and just talk about the what you can bring to the table uh, in terms of you know many many areas that uh, an event like this can uh, can uh, can have. But um, yeah, so that's uh, that's my point of view on this. What was your vision of uh, Roland Garros when you when you came here? What did you see that you wanted to implement? So the first couple, few things that I had in mind when I when I um, when I got appointed really was to um, make sure that the players were feeling. My experience as a player here was that it, it, it's pretty small. It's smaller here than the other Grand Slams, so we're lacking a little bit of space. This is a bit better now that the, the, the whole stadium is new. So we, I, w I really wanted some space, some quiet, some really peace for the players, not have you know, everyone in the, in the same place at the restaurant and, and it's kind of a mess and the only place where they are really quiet is in the locker room. So I wanted them to have a bigger space, which we ended up really having this year. So I hope they're going to be happy about that. So that was one thing, because to perform at your best, I think you have to prepare the best possible way. And I felt that it wasn't quite possible until now here at the, at the French Open, because also the space was, was lacking. So we rearranged a little bit to put the other kind of people in another place so that the players, the competitors are really in the best uh, in the best possible shape mentally to approach the, the matches. The only the the other thing um, was to kind of make the tournament accessible to the, the biggest number of people. Um, we know that at some point in the tournament the seats are expensive but so I wanted to have like a, first of all a three weeks tournament with including the, the qualies to make sure that people, you know, in the qualies in the last week of the tournament as well, people can can enter the area with, you know, if you're less than 25 for 10 euros, you can you can come and watch some tennis. Yes, you're not going to watch the final on on the on the center court, but you can be part of it. You can live your own friendship, and so be making it accessible for more play people. That was also something important, and we are really moving towards this direction. So that was important. Uh, also, you know, try to make to to fulfill to make it full. Can you say that that like attendance was something that I really we are selling the tickets. We are very happy about this. 
but I want people to actually come and, and watch the matches. So we also try to have a few tricks here and there, to, uh, and we are selling tickets for, uh, for off-courts that could enter show courts if the attendance is not, is not there and everyone. So we are giving the possibility for people that are um, you know, on the off, off outside courts to be able to come on, on center court as well. So yeah, that was also something that I wanted to improve. We will see how it goes this year. We, we implemented a few, few, th few different things to help and we will, at the end of the tournament, see how it went and adjust the things that need to be, to be adjusted. What else? Yeah, we, we, for me it was important also to show um, and to put on center court, which never happened before, the wheelchair tennis. So we're going to have uh, in the last week, the Friday and the Saturday, uh, semi-final, men's semi-final day and women's final day. One match here on center court, 11 o'clock in the morning for people to see on site and it will be on TV, French TV as well. So. It's a big improvement for us, and, and uh, we're also looking towards Paris 2024 as the Olympics, Paralympics, and making sure that you know, we have inclusion for everyone also here in, the, in Roland Garros. As, as you've seen, uh, probably on the, on the course, we're, we're now in France following the law that we cannot distribute for free plastic bottles. So we, we, with our partner, we really worked for the players to be able to go on court and, and respect the law and, 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 for, and respect the planet in more uh, broader uh, view. And uh, we're pretty happy about this. Uh, we did it in uh, the, the, the Rolex Paris Masters as well at the end of last year. And we, it's more difficult to put in place in here in Roland Garros, but uh, being able to do it is, is also very important for us we, uh, on our envir environmental uh, perspective and, and, and fight as well. So that's something also we're very happy about and that I really wanted to implement right away this year. Many other things, but you don't want to hear about everything. But anyway, a lot of ideas, a lot of, a lot of things, and things are actually moving towards really something uh, that, I, that I like. <laughs> Um, what were some of the more interesting parts of the job uh, when, you, when you first came on? And what, what, what did you um, learn about this position as you kind of... Yeah. So for, for me, um, I really learned many, many things coming in as a tournament director. Um, and the, maybe the thing that surprised me the most was the number of people uh, behind such a big event and working daily basis uh, full time to make sure that every little detail on security, for, uh, uh, players, all the people that are gonna enter the, 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 the stadium, regardless of what you're gonna do, press, whatever, are, everything is taken care of and everything is, 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 is in place or where it should be and how it should be. So, yeah, it's quite impressive uh, the work that's, that's done to, you know, to make sure that these three weeks events is run in a proper way, so that's, uh, and, and, and thanks to them, because honestly, I mean, <laughs> nothing can happen without them. So that's, uh, that was probably the thing that, that, that jumped in front of me, not coming from the event uh, jobs. And, um, and yeah, other than that, I'm pretty happy about how open to changes the teams are. And that was also something important for me, because I was kind of, scared that I was going to come with 
different ideas, different way of doing things and everything, and that, ah, yes, sorry, we can't do that, or no, it's not going to be possible, to have this kind of, of, of pushback in a way. And it, it didn't happen this way, and I'm pretty happy about this, so that then we can share ideas, debate, everything, but it's the, it's, the talk is, is really open, so I'm happy about that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of challenges going on all around the world. Um, yes. You know, various different things. Um, what, what was the biggest challenge for you as tournament director that you had to kind of focus on or maybe keeps you up at night sometimes thinking <laughs> about it? Well, um, for sure, the, 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 the conflict uh, and the invasion of Ukraine um, is, is something that... Uh, uh, for us, we followed, I mean, everyone is following that in a way, but we followed even more closely. And, and, um, and Wimbledon banning the Russian, Belarusian players, so, you know, it made us think as well. And again, enter some talks and, and, and everything. So that was, as a tournament director, um, I think it was, yeah, the most tricky or touchy um, Part to to be to be to be in and decision process to be to be in. Um, yeah. Talking about some new things going on here at Roland Garros, one thing we have to talk about is this stadium here. Sure. Tell yeah. us about this stadium here. So as as you can see, um, I don't know if you can see the stadium behind me and properly, but but yeah, we um, very quickly when when I when I got appointed, we um, all together actually made the decision to changes you know for years and years and years it's for decades here and it's it's been the, um, the background and, and, and the course for the sponsors was the, the traditional uh, board you know in a way so now we're, we're, we're going uh, electric and uh, so we can add a little bit of uh, entertainment also to the to the tournament we want to enter kind of a modern more modern era with keeping the tradition that, that makes also the French Open, um, that's how people like the French Open, that's how we like it as well. So the balance is not always so easy to find, but this seemed for us kind of an obvious um, uh, move to make, to you know entertain more. It's, it's for us a way to um, propose something else in terms of when the, the players come on the court, you have a little bit of a, more of a show and, and uh, so we're pretty happy about this, and I'm kind of looking forward to see how it's going to look uh, on the court on a daily basis. So, yeah, we're excited about this, and also with the night sessions, it gives more light, more energy, I think, to the, to the court. Um, let, let's quickly talk about the state of tennis today. Um, yeah. What, what, are you happy with the state of tennis? Do you think tennis can do more to bring in you know, more fans and, and more people? That's, that's a tricky question always when you're asked about the state of tennis because it, it, tennis is well in, in a way, but, but also we, we know that people watching tennis are getting a little bit older. Um, so we, are, we also want the younger uh, generations to kind of uh, like tennis, want to, to, to watch tennis, want to play tennis. 
And, and for us in France, anyway, that's kind of, of uh, our challenge is to do that. So, um, and that's also why in, in, in terms of pricing and everything, we try to have a, a new population, new generation of people to enter uh, Roland Garros, to, to, to have their experience of Roland Garros and when they grow up, you know, when they get older, to kind of, you know, wanting to, to, to come back. So that's one thing. So I, I think tennis in general, if you talk only about the sport and, and how the players are performing, I think, you know, it, it keeps, just keeps improving uh, every year. That's, that's one thing. The, the rivalry we keep seeing in the, in the men's side is quite incredible with some new faces as well uh, rising up. And I believe in the women's tennis after a few years, maybe a decade of, of you know, different faces coming and going and, and, and not really finding their feet at the top of the game, just like, you know, not even like what we're seeing in the, on the men's side, but, you know, a little bit more consistency in a way. I believe that maybe it's coming, you know, with Sviantek and, and, and these girls. I mean, Naomi, I hope she can also, you know, um, find that balance and that consistency again. And I, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of hoping that this is the moment where really the, the, the women are also having this five, four, five, six players that are kind of meeting always in the, in the end, towards the end of the, of the tournaments. You know, it's a, it's a unique time in tennis right now because uh, every major really means a lot. Tell us about that. How, this is a, it's almost like the golden era in tennis right now. What do you mean? The, the... Um, it's just, you know, we have the, you know, Nadal and Djokovic and yeah. Federer all like, you know, setting the record for most oh, majors. Yeah. Okay. Every, like every major counts now. Yeah, so, so the, the, on the men's side, I mean, what these guys are doing are, 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 is pretty crazy. Um, first of all, to have the three uh, best of the all-time players at playing in the same era is, uh, make, is making things unreal almost for us uh, that are witnessing that. So um, for us, Grand Slams to be kind of the center of the attention, like each time, as you say, you know, anything can happen in every Grand Slam and, and, and one can take a bigger league lead or, or then it's going to be a draw and everything. So it makes for, for us, for the crowd to watch, makes things unbelievable. The, the, the excitement, we know, we can see it, we can feel it here just before the French Open, the excitement and the, the expectation from that point of view is, is huge. You know, um I have to mention uh, Alcaraz right now because um, there's so many people talking about him, yeah. especially leading up to this event. What, what have you seen from him? And, and so Carlos Alcaraz, I've, I've seen obviously a lot from him recently. Uh, very impressed with how he's handled, well, his game, the way physically, how he moves and everything, but most importantly, how he handles things mentally. Because I guess that's the most surprising thing from coming from such a, a young, uh, a young player. So that's something that is really, um, in my opinion, rare and and quite unique in a way. Uh, so we're gonna, it's gonna be interesting to follow this over time in the next year, two years, you know, to see how this works and how he can really manage that. And also on the, on the, on the in the Grand Slams on on, on this length of best of five. Uh, matches, so it's going to be interesting. And um, I, I known him when I was coaching Lucas Puy. Um, he, he made one practice with him uh, three years ago. It was on grass, so the 
he was 16 at the time, and the, 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 the improvement that he made is absolutely enormous. But the way he was already at the time doing, like, you know, warm-ups, everything, making every detail count and everything, he, he was interesting in this way, uh, not only his game, obviously, but in his way, in this way at the time. Um, last question is, um, you know, how much has the game changed since you played? What's the difference from when you were playing to the game now? Um, I believe if, if, if we talk on the women's side when I, was, when I was playing, I think now players are a little bit more powerful. Uh, more players are playing in this powerful way and are putting a little bit more uh, physical intensity. That's what I, that's what I see. Um, I like to see recently a little bit more variety as well. Uh, than not than when I was playing, but but the last ten years, let's say, uh, I feel that Iga Swiatek has more spin and variety. I feel that Ons Jaber, that one in in Madrid recently, is also offering uh, uh, like uh, big uh, different kind of shots in in her game and uh, uh, different repertoire. I would say. Um, yeah, you have the big hitter Naomi Osaka is is, is in this uh, this uh, this big hitting part. Ash Barty that just stopped also had more variety. So um, maybe it's opening to you know different kind of, of games out there. As on the men's side, it's always very impressive to see how physically these guys are prepared. The 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 amount of work they are putting in this area. Uh, is, is, uh, is huge, so that's uh, very impressive for me in the last 10 years.